0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Black Crate Connect podcast with your favorite, okay, host, Alicia Latoya. And this is the podcast where we speak to some of the most incredible, inspirational, powerful black individuals throughout life, throughout the world, right? And today we have a special guest with us from an amazing company called Cooler, and we have Vanessa Lyle, who is an account manager. Big up yourself. Hey everyone, <laughs> and thank you so much for having me, Alicia. Hi, up yourself, you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you, How are you feeling today?
1: I'm feeling good I'm feeling good got up nice and early ready knew I was coming to do today so I was excited to talk to you on a mission yes on a mission (laughs) good so I just want to remind you that that this that this is a safe space
0: okay like and we don't have, have we have a really nice like audience everyone's really loving everyone really enjoys um kind of the conversation so don't worry you're you're in good hands today
1: yeah. No, I feel it. I feel comfortable. I feel cosy. This is such a nice space as well. So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, shout out Qu- Quaker Street, by the way. This
0: is such a nice studio. Shout Gorgeous. them out. Um, so, as you know, um, I like to to bring black individuals on here that have incredible stories. I think everyone's got a powerful story to share anyway. So, might end up interviewing the whole of London. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just as an introduction, just yeah. give us an intro to who Vanessa is before we kind of delve in deep to your story
1: okay well I'm Vanessa um I am I don't even know what to say in terms of where I'm from because I feel like even that in itself is a story but I was born in the states moved to London when I was six um but my parents are from Ghana so I always say I'm Ghanaian um grew up in West London but now I live in South London woo
0: woo (laughs) woo (laughs) welcome to the good side
1: yeah and I've just always I guess I would call myself a creative somewhat however I think the definition of that has changed like over time but in terms of profession I'm an account manager um, at Kula who you've already bigged up we're one of the largest social media and influencer marketing agencies in London and we also have an office in LA
0: Ooh, yeah. okay, okay. So there's a couple of things that you said that I want to touch upon and go a bit deeper. Yeah, sure. Um, First and foremost,
1: you said creative has changed. Yeah. How has it changed and how do you see creativity? I feel like now you can't just call yourself creative. Like, you know how you can describe yourself in many different ways. I can't just say, oh, I'm creative. Because as soon as you say that, people say, oh, you're a creative now. What does that mean? What do you do? Everyone's mm. so quick to say, what do you do? Mm. So when I tell them that, like, I used to have a YouTube channel I used to oh. have a blog. I used to do fashion content. Um, I've I've pretty much done it all. I had my own podcast, which I started in uh, 2020. Um, so people always ask you like, okay, so what is it you actually do without mm. just taking, like without just saying you can be creative without having a specific thing that you do. Mm. I also act as well. So people ah. are like, oh, what have you been in? And if I don't say something that's somewhat credible, it's as if I can't call myself an actor. So I'm very careful now with who I say I'm creative too, but I feel like, as you said, it's a safe space. So, yeah, I can tell you that I feel like I would call myself a creative.
0: You are creative, though. Like, if you're able, for me, if, if you're able to do multiple things, which you've demonstrated that throughout your life and career, whether you're doing it now or not, you have created different things that mm, wasn't there before. So yeah. you're a creative. I'm also a massive advocate. People that know me know that I love to give myself job titles. So (laughs) I need to take a leaf out of your book. No, because (laughs) the thing is, if you don't start calling yourself something, Mm. people won't identify you as that. So I I even said in in a talk this week I did with Coding Black Females, I mentioned um, to the audience that before I was a DEI consultant, I called myself that on my LinkedIn, on my, you know, (laughs) my title area. Yeah. Before I, I was given that title and my next title was that. You have to almost affirm that this is what you are and people will say no. Okay, cool. That's what you call yourself?
1: Cool. So you're a creative.
0: Mm. Okay, I'm a creative. And you can be whatever else you want to be, whether that's corporate, professional. You can be both.
1: Yeah, I do think nowadays it is nice that people embrace multifacetedness. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, people are okay with you having so many different titles and being like a multi-hyphenate. But I think... I've had to kind of grow in confidence with saying all of that because people, I feel, can be quick to judge sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah agreed. Yeah. So, in regards to... So, you were born in the States. Yeah. Where in the States were you born? I was born in Washington, D.C., but it's kind of... It was on the borders of Washington, D.C. and Maryland. So, I was born in Tacoma Park. So, some people would say it's in either state. But, yeah, D.C., I okay. yeah.
0: Okay. Tell us a story, then. How 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 did you transition from... Washington, D.C. To here.
1: So where we lived, actually, the area was quite racist at the time. So we lived in a quite affluent area called Silver Spring, Maryland, where my dad was a contractor. So he was working in construction. And my mum was a stay at home mum. She wanted to, to study, but she didn't really know what to do. Um, So she just used to stay at home with me. And then um, she had quite a few like negative experiences with like neighbors and things. And we were the only black family in our neighborhood. And then there was a Latino family. So we stuck together against all the the, uh, non-ethnic families, shall I say, just like slurs, Accusing them of stealing things or like, um, like what's it called, vandalism to like their cars in the driveways and things like that. Mm -hmm. My mum felt really uncomfortable, and all her family lived here. So, both her parents lived here, her younger sisters lived here. Mm -hmm. So, she just thought that would be the next like step in terms of feeling more comfortable and feeling Mm -hmm. like safe where she lived. So, I don't think my dad wanted it to happen, but then eventually he kind of agreed, and then we moved over here. So, it was myself and my my brother, who's born after me, we moved here. And then when we came here, my mum had my two other brothers. So, yeah. So you're the oldest I'm yeah, four? Yeah, I'm the oldest of four and the only girl. So oh, wow. also call me Cinderella as well. Wow. That was like my nickname growing up because oh, I was no. literally doing doing up mum from a young age. Wow, that, that must yeah. have really
0: helped you to grow up quickly, innit?
1: Definitely, Just... definitely. I wasn't like playing out and doing all that stuff mm. that kids did. When I went to my grandma's house, she was softer on me. <laughs> She, when I went to my grandma's house she was way softer on me so she'd mm. let me like go out and play out but like my mom was like no you've got things to do is it <laughs> yeah so going back to when you was
0: in DC how how long were you there for like, just till like, I was six so till two or six years yeah. old yeah so I moved um, here in
1: 1999 actually
0: wow yeah I turned but,
1: 30 this year okay yeah
0: okay um when happy birthday when it comes up. Man. Oh, no, you do. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, happened. In it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you went to my um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Looking forward, yeah. What was, I guess, when you when you kind of came to the UK, you went to school mm-hmm. and everything. You said you grew up in East London. West London. Yeah,
1: so first in like. Shepherd's Bush kind of area, then like um Hanwell, which is near Ealing, because no one really knows where Hanwell is, although it is on the Elizabeth line now, so I feel like it's on the map a bit more. <laughs> Lived there for ages, also moved to Greenford, which is like close to Hanwell. Um so yeah, proper like West London. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it when you were growing up, who were you who
0: are your key influences? And that could have been people that you knew in your life or people that you saw in a public eye, could have been anyone. Um, and what is it that you really wanted to to be and do when you were
1: kind of growing up? Um, so I've always wanted to be some sort of performer, um, which I know obviously compared to my career now, you're probably thinking, how did that happen? But oh, <laughs> which wow, is to say, yeah crazy. I just completely said, okay, I leave that behind. That was fun and games, um, and then yeah, only picked it back up five years ago.
0: In hindsight. And I'm, I know that you was actually listening to Remel's episode as yeah, well, so yeah. I'm sure you probably touched you probably touched on some of them things. Yeah, in that it was very relatable. Yeah, some yeah, stuff was relatable. Yeah. So in hindsight, do you think that your mom had a point, or do you think that she she was probably playing it too safe with her advice? Like,
1: what would you have advised you if you was your mom? I would have, um, I thought she played it safe and I would have told, uh, I would have told me to do whatever I wanted to do. Because I still did, so I did um, Spanish, economics, government and politics and English language. Mm. I think could have thrown a little drama in there. Like, Mm. do you know what I mean? It wasn't like completely all artsy um, A-levels. And I think it would have um, helped with my confidence as I was going through my teen years. Because I think as I lost touch with acting and performing and being on stage, I kind of lost my confidence kind of growing up. And I think Mm. your kind of late teens, early 20s are your formative years. Like I know we learn a lot, obviously growing up, our brains are massive. We're here to like soak in so much um, knowledge. But I think um, your late teens and your, when you start to be conscious of yourself, am I pretty? Am I this enough? Am I that enough? I think that's when you need all the confidence. And I think being on stage really helped with that. Mm. So yeah, there was definitely a correlation between like, low self-esteem and then not having that exposure to being on stage. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. I feel like, um, because I was, I was
0: similar to you growing up, where I was this main character in the house, main character in the drama class, in the dance class. I was like, yeah, I may not I may have been the best, but I, I loved it. Yeah. And there was a certain level... I think my, my parents didn't realise that I didn't just do drama for the sake of a career. I did it for the sake of the feel, the feeling of it. Like having when I was in college, just to even connect with you on that, I remember I did, I think I did like business accounting, um, some other serious subject. <laughs> and then drama. And I was like, I needed that balance in, mm. in my in my um in my schedule. I can't yeah. just be doing serious, serious all the time. It's it's if I feel like I'm having to mask myself a little bit and just be serious. And drama was a time to just be free. Do, do you remember freeze Tag? Did, did you know? Did yeah, you play we freeze played Tag? played Love yeah. a freeze Tag. Yeah, all the games. Yeah. I loved
1: all the games. Proper got into it. Gets you warmed up, ready. Creative juices flowing. I loved like improv. Like I yeah. loved all of that stuff. Yeah.
0: What value do you think drama has to today's life? If you fast forward to us being adults now and, mm. you know, working in a working world, what, mm. what correlation? Because I see so many different benefits of drama for today's life. But, but, but what do you kind
1: of see? Um, I don't know if this is the answer you want me to say. No, but no, I, think I say what you want to say. I think it definitely teaches you to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. I think we always assume that, oh, this person has this title, so they're this important person. But like you said, you gave yourself a certain title when you knew who you wanted to be. You used that title mm-hmm. to reaffirm yourself. You gave yourself a role, then you kind of played up to that. Not necessarily faking it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like drama skills definitely help you with that. I think being someone of um, an African background, so I'm Ghanaian, it definitely helped with code switching as well. Mm. Um I remember growing up and loads of people telling me, "Oh, you speak too much like a white girl" or "You know, you're, you know, you're not black enough because I speak too articulately." Um well, actually that's my power and I can switch up if I want to. So there's times where I've had to make people feel a little bit more comfortable being around me. Mm. Um and I would kind of, you know, add slang to my vocab, but Mm. I did speak like that at home. But obviously people didn't assume that. People thought Mm. I spoke like very posh in comparison to how I'd be at home. So I'm always using it to kind of adapt to different like communities, different groups, and to like get along with people. One of my first jobs was actually working in a school as a pastoral manager, part of like a pastoral management team for sixth formers. So I kind of looked like them, not going to lie. But because I had those drama skills, I kind of played into no, I'm the adult here. You listen to me. And there were certain uh, groups of kids that I would say teachers would call challenged or out of touch. And I thought, how dare you say that to them? You should come down on their level mm. and resonate with them and find mm. something that you can use to be relatable to them because mm. they're just as valuable as any other Student, so mm. I think drama schools definitely help me with that. Like, I'm really quick to like make friends. A lot of people find me approachable, mm. and I just love meeting people. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, even sitting down having this conversation, yeah. I feel like I've known you for ages. It, and I yeah. think drama makes you feel comfortable with that. Do you know what I mean? Hundred yeah. percent. I agree with you. I think it's. I mean, uh, to add on and to even
0: elaborate more on what you said, I think yeah. it's even the empathetic um, side of things. Like definitely. I feel like I can empathize with a lot of different type of individuals because. Yeah. In drama, they force you to think, imagine you had gone through this experience and this is what your circumstance was. And this is maybe a condition you might have dealt with or Mm. whatever. Whatever it is, it really helps you to put yourself in the mind frame of someone else so that you can at least connect better with people in a more genuine way. Mm. And there's so many benefits to that. I mean, it helps with your influential skills as well. If you can influence... Pretty, if you know how to influence well you can get very far in life mm. like not manipulate but influence because yeah, you understand that's yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's, exactly so i yeah. feel like that's helpful like what you said with the people skills the relationship building skills mm. when it comes to like even for this podcast to survive i need guests
1: that's what people don't <laughs> like, don't realize like guest relations like you know what i mean reaching out networking yeah yeah so
0: and thank goodness for whatever reason the guests are flowing in like up until bookings six months in advance which I'm so grateful for Mm. which tells me great this is a sustainable podcast Mm. and that links back also I think to drama as well because I'm I'm able to to be engaging in conversations to listen to and I've spoken to so many different types of personalities Mm. like personalities that I don't think I would have probably sat down and spoken to on a normal day but I'm glad I did because it really gave me a different perspective and mm. do you know what I mean so anyway sorry go going into one but cool so you did that in college
1: yeah what? well what did you... I didn't do it in college you didn't do it college until what I was, was 25 it? I picked it up what is it you
0: wanted to do then at that point when you was like when you was in college and you did these various subjects
1: that's the thing like I I think because I lost that creative side of it I wasn't really sure so I was kind of going with the flow I was always good at the subjects that I chose so like uh, Spanish politics I think because of my American childhood as well and I me reading all those books I always knew I wanted to do something like Amer- in American politics or something and mm. um, But generally, if I'm just looking like big picture, I just wanted to help people, which I know sounds really like (laughs) some people might say it's cringe, but that's what I've always wanted to do. So whatever it is, something that would make me feel like I'm purpose driven and I'm Mm. creating change is what I wanted to do. But I couldn't say I couldn't tell you like one definitive thing in the back of my mind. And even till now, I would love to do acting. I'd love to actually do more acting. I'd love to do Mm. more creating. I'd love to bring back my podcast you know what I mean Mm. um but that's again why I love my role now as well because it is an extension of that it's helping Mm. people it's Mm. helping brands connect with culture connect with their target audience and Mm. whatever that is so Mm. yeah that makes sense did you go to university as well yeah I went to university of Kent
0: how was that for you
1: um I would say it was the best years of my life it wasn't it uni is the best years uni is the best students ever i was richer i was i was partying more i was more sociable my body looked good oh, no, that's but not now yeah. but now i'm like wait i didn't appreciate it back then we were poking and prodding thinking oh no this looks too this my lumps this is that yeah. i was in shape i yeah. was having the time of my life i cut all my hair off as well really? in second year yeah so i'm 10 years natural now but i cut all my hair off second year when i was 20 um, and again, who did I think I was to have the guts to do that? Like, I don't know if I'd do that now, but back then I probably was shook and I still did it anyway. Yeah. And I still did went lectures, same
0: way, yeah. The level <laughs> of freedom that we had, because we always, we also knew that we're going to be fine. We all, like, for some reason, I didn't worry about my livelihood then. Mm. I just thought yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be fine. Like yeah. there's student finance, I've got my parents, I've got my free jobs that I'm juggling somehow and still having my best life. So things were like I agree with you, uni days were fantastic. However, 30s, I know you just entered it. Yeah. Are brilliant. That's what so everyone far. says. 30s so I'm excited. Bril- well, are, I'm excited to say. 30s are brilliant because you're so like I find that in my thirties I'm just so transparent. Mm. And when you're transparent, you just live a life that you want to live. Like people just, you do what you want to do. You're like, you know, I want to do this. Mm. Yep, I've gained weight. So <laughs> that no, it's not, that Inverse that's happened. It. yeah but, like, you got to lose weight, babe. Or yeah. if not, then you just got to buy clothes that fit you. Mm. Like, like, even what I'm, I'm very transparent with myself. Yeah. Um, because you're you're 30 now. Yeah. And then you've got more money as well. God, God, by God's grace as mm. well. And you know, you've got more flexibility. It's just it gets even better. But um, I can't wait. I know, I know. <laughs> but um, so after university, then yeah. Tell us, hold on, what did you study at university? What was your politics and international relations? You guys have politics. Yeah.
1: So what was you thinking to do? Was you really was you really going towards like being a politician and going down that path? Well, I really just wanted to help people. And I knew that I, it was something I was good at. And I know this sounds bad, but you know, uni, you know, you're going there to have fun as well. So mm. I was like, I need to do something that I can blag basically. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I at least need to go out with a 2-1, if anything. First would be great. But yeah, I got my 2-1. Had the time of my life and studied and I I blagged my way through every lecture, every essay and I did it. I actually did one of the modules was actually working in a school and I got a first in that module. So that's kind of when I was playing with, oh, should I become a teacher? Should I, do you know what I mean? Let's start with the young people. I've always said, you know, that saying of like, be who your younger self needed. Yeah. So I always thought, okay, let me go back to my roots and stuff and try and see if I could work in a school, which I did end up doing. That was my graduate job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. With... um. I guess with international politics,
1: you said it was... It was politics and international relations. International same relations, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same things.
0: What are some of the things that you... Like, biggest things that you've learned from mm-hmm. that? Because I think, again, when I, when I was younger, um, I didn't really care about politics, voting, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's only recent, in my recent adult years... I'm like, oh my goodness! I wish I even studied politics or got into it from an early age because mm. you can have so much influence over life if you're in, if you're really involved in politics. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really care about that back in the day. So, what yeah. what are some of the things that they really taught you um, that you think are really valuable to
1: this day? I just think how much, as you said, like it influences everything or like every part of society, mm. I would say. However, as the years have gone on, I feel like voting doesn't have that much impact now, you know, really? I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And when you learn about that, you learn about voting apathy and like people kind of falling out of touch with voting and feeling like it doesn't really make a difference. Like it would be better if I campaigned for my separate issue that I'm passionate about. Let's say if it's recycling or... I don't know, equal rights in um, schools or mm. like racial equality amongst teachers in schools or something. It, I think now people feel more, um, they feel more led to do that, like kind of work on a certain campaign issue rather mm. than say, I belong to this party. Right. Because I feel like even within the parties, people are divided and yeah. there's no clear direction as time has gone on. So it was very much like you could pick all these different modules and it was from all over the world. So you could do like, American politics you could do European politics so I did a lot of America I preferred the American politics cuz I feel like that's way more interesting and there's way more influence over in the states compared to here mm-hmm. um and here's a bit a bit wishy-washy if I'm like honest Like what how
0: like what's the like what's the difference that you identified between American politics and UK politics
1: Like it's very clear that like uh, left is left so Democratic Party and right is right as in Republican Party whereas here now I feel like this sounds <laughs> this sounds like I'm trying to be political, but I don't feel like there's that much difference now between the parties here. Mm. I think we think of how it was back in the day in terms of like the Tony Blair days, because that's when everyone says we're like the glory days mm. of like the UK. Um, it, the Labour Party is definitely not like that now. Um, mm. A lot of people aren't happy with Keir Starmer and some of his views and some of his policies, and they are starting to veer more moderate to right rather than left. Mm. And I get that a lot of people don't like Jeremy Corbyn because um, they find him too left, but at least he's actually demonstrating yeah. what a true like left, Labour yeah. left-wing person is meant to, rather than Keir Starmer. I feel like he's gone, he's veering to the right now. Do you feel comfortable um, sharing
0: your political views, or no?
1: Well, yes. However, um, it's actually interesting because as an American citizen, I can't vote. So I've never voted oh. here. I've only voted f- in American politics, which you can do like through the embassy here. So how um, do you manage to get your stay here? Like, So my parents have British passports, so oh. I have indefinite leave to remain. OK. Yeah, okay, okay. which is annoying because, um, yeah, you can't vote, but you can stay here as long as you want, basically, okay. and work here and, and you, it's fine. You can't have dual citizenship. So you can, but it's very tricky having both British and American because they're like the two like major. So a lot of people do a lot of like dodgy stuff to get both basically. Um, So I just thought, you know, what? since Brexit as well, I said not to be rude, there's not really many benefits to the British citizenship now. So I've just left it. Whereas with the American one, I can travel anywhere and stay for like three months, six months, some of them indefinitely. So yeah, I just left it rather than paying all that money. Exactly,
0: exactly. So, cool. So after, so during your time in, in, in university, mm-hmm. again, outside of your actual degree itself, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest things that you learned in that time? And was it, was it quite diverse, Kent? Because my sister went to Kent, Canterbury. Yeah, I went to Canterbury. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I mean, was she older or younger? Simone is d- 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 27. Oh, okay. So she would have, I would have graduated as she was coming in. Yeah. So my year was the year where the year above were like, what happened to Clear in Because they were like, we've never seen this many black people in Canterbury before. So you had CCU, which was like, you know how every uni city has the like, better uni than the other one. Mm-hmm. So University of Kent was deemed better than CCU. CCU was more diverse, had loads of black, Asian people, all different types of people, European people. Kent was very white until apparently our year came. and they, And then since then, apparently it's just attracted loads of black people now. I so was it? it was fun, but I didn't realise that, but it was the years above us who were like, oh my God, something's happened to <laughs> clear Like, how did all of you get let in? <laughs> basically? I was like, that's so awkward, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, I would say though, I did learn, this might get a bit deep now, but I did learn about like mental health. So I've never okay. been able to address some of the trauma that I had growing up. And I think it wasn't until I had my first ever therapy session um, as part of the, I went to the GP at the uni being like, I need help. They gave me like this test. Really? They were like, we think you have depression. And they booked me in with my first ever like therapy appointment. I did do counseling in secondary school, but up until then I hadn't done any sort of counseling or therapy. Um, and that's when they told me, yeah, like we think you have like depression. And it for so, like, ev- like everything just clicked and made sense for me. Um, because I would say from a young age, I always felt this deep sadness, but I never knew what it was. And because everyone saw me as this like bright, confident, well-spoken person they just always dismiss me including family including friends they were like you're the life of our group like Mm. how could you have depression they never thought that the two could coexist Mm. um so I learned a lot about mental health in that time and I learned a lot about myself just as a person like who I am um what I stand for what I don't stand for and then a lot about other people as well like friendships was a massive thing in uni and I'm my best friend and my closest friends are people I met at uni but there's also a lot of people that I would never rub shoulders with again, Mm. um, who I I met at uni. Some of them are doing big things now um, that, you know, there are names that you probably recognise, some of them not so. But, yeah, it just taught me a lot about people, how people operate, who to trust, who not to trust. um, Mm. Yeah, so I learned a lot about that stuff.
0: Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Oh, no, it's fine. That's (laughs) quite personal. Um, In regards to your depression at the time... Yeah. Is that something that your therapist helped you get through? Did they did they give you any like medication or anything for it, or did you just work through it through talking therapy?
1: So imagine that was my first and last one, like at uni, because the guy also yeah. So the guy also dismissed me. It was an older white guy. He said he grew up in Kenya. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he was like, Oh, you know, I'm African too. Da, da, da. So I thought we were getting along. Same way i kind of talking to you, I was telling him what I was going through and he was like, I've never seen someone so bright, so bubbly, so well dressed come into my room. He was like, I think he was like, You do have depression, but he was like, I don't think it's anything serious. I think you're gonna get through it. And he was like, "I can't really." He's like, "There's people outside." No, like he didn't say yeah. that. Yeah, he said, "There's people in the waiting room in their pajamas, self-harming, and you all, you look very presentable." He was like, "I don't wow. think, I don't think." He was like, "We have a long waiting list and stuff. I don't think it's worth like giving you additional sessions."
0: Wow, yeah. that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, because that's also a crazy bias that makes people think that if you look a certain way, mm-hmm. that means you must be fine because you look a certain way. Yeah, but internally. That different story it, yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so what did you do to kind of get through that literally leaned on my like leaned on my friends like leaned on my friends told them what i was going through um whoever i was dating at the time and that's that's all i had because yeah again my family are very religious so my mom's not. I mean, now she's very accepting, but back then she was like, "What do you mean depression? Like, mm. shut up, kind of thing." She wasn't mm. really having it all helpful mm. with kind of helping me get through it. Um, and she wouldn't accept that like my childhood was part to playing it and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was just my friends and again, uni life, uni vibes. Um, that's what that's what got me through and got me my two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not to touch too much on it, but for anyone that that might be going through depression
0: at the moment, because I feel like it's very common. It's getting Mm, worse. Very common as well. And I think there's even stints that even I have where like this week was terrible, terrible Mm. for me. Like it was, and sometimes you can't explain the feeling. It's it's like, I don't know know where it's come from, but I feel like weird Mm. kind of thing. Mm. So for people that are going through that at the moment, what can they do practically? And a couple of things you mentioned mm. is having a solid support group, so having mm. your friends yeah. as well. But in yeah. practical adult life, what are some of the things that you think um I know
1: you're not an expert, so again, disclaimer, yeah, no no one here is ha- yeah, yeah, no one <laughs> has an expert, but we're just talking from just experience. Yeah. Um, so if you at your workplace ask what what they have available to mm. staff, every workplace should have some sort of scheme that allows you access to some sort of therapy, whether that be CBT therapy, whether it's talk therapy. So definitely ask your HR department or, or your CPT. employer about that. So it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it's very actions focused. Um, so some people really get on board with that because they feel like if they've got a structure in their lives, it's gonna help them overcome like what they're thinking. Um, mm. Cause obviously depression is caused by a lot of like deep negative thoughts sometimes, whether that's thoughts about your past, thoughts about your present. Mm. Um, and then obviously there's talk therapy as well, which is more kind of just, yeah, like expressing yourself like how you would to your friends, just like telling them how's your day going, what you think is the root, like root cause of some of the things you're feeling. So I would definitely ask your employer because again, it should be free for a certain amount of sessions. I would also ask your GP. So what I did was I asked my GP and then they got me six free CBT sessions, um, which meant that I had someone who I was accountable to for, I think it was every two weeks. So over the course of 12 weeks, so like three months, um, someone checking in with me, checking in how I'm doing. And again, as I said, it's very actions-based. So you had homework every session of like, write down everything you did this week, write down all your negative thoughts this week, like active worksheets that you had to bring back filled in. And then um, it's sad to say, but you know, when Grenfell happened, mm. um, it basically resulted in a lot of government grants in terms of therapy. Cause at the time I couldn't afford therapy. I was earning like probably like 15K less than what I'm earning now. Mm. So um, there were a lot of government grants that said, if you live within a certain mile radius, you could apply for free therapy. Mm. So my closest um, therapy center, I was on a waiting list for three months um, and then managed to get on. And they were like, we're really sorry. Usually we'd have a choice of therapist, but we don't. So can you do you mind going with this one? And actually we got on like a house on fire and um, he's still my therapist today. Oh, so yeah. So just finding what's around you, any sort of grants or payment schemes or... Uh, places that charge according to your salary so at least it can be subsidized if you're not earning enough i would look into those and there's also like a um i think it's called baacp but it's like the black and asian network of like um psychotherapists and Mm. therapists as well so again people you can actually choose like okay i want a black woman who's a christian so i'm gonna ask her for her rates and they usually give you like a free session just to see if you click mm. and then you'd have to pay after that mm. so definitely google is your best friend but yeah ask your employer first then ask your gp and then search google for like all the different resources and databases of like therapists out there but therapy is like a game changer for me because i've been doing mm. it since 2019 or 2018 and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me
0: Thank you for sharing that. No, um, no like problem. That's that's really useful advice. I feel like a lot of people can take that away and um, utilize that. A lot of people that I know. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, back to your journey. Yeah. After uni,
1: what ha- happened? Yeah. So, um, my uh youngest brother, his friend's mum was a head teacher. So she said, "Come in. We've got this learning mentor role for six formers." got the job, literally first interview, got the job. Um, so I was a learning mentor to over 150 people um, young ladies at a secondary school which was actually near the secondary school I went to so growing up that secondary school was rough but basically they like changed it around you know, and the government intervenes and they kind of change it around mm. like academy vibes mm. so work there for a bit um those were great very very great years but in terms of like funding wise there was no funding for support staff in education so literally after a year they were like we have to let you go they were like you could become a teacher and we can fund you to do that mm. or you have to go so I went um, I worked in a primary school for a bit as well as a TA. And then I moved on to another secondary school, which was a massive sixth form of like 250 plus students, mm. um, both um, you know both girls and boys, mm. um, 16 to 19 year olds. Um, and those were some amazing years as well. That's when I really realized like my power is helping people. And I have this gift to really want to give back to the community and like make young people believe that they can do whatever they want to do. Um so yeah, a lot of my students now, I think the oldest lot will probably be like 20, 25. And they're doing bigger things than me. They earn way more than me. They've got their own businesses. They're so like incredibly talented and like doing so many different things. Lots of them keep in in, touch
0: with with them. Yeah, keep
1: in touch with quite a number Ah, of them. Yeah. One of them just had a birthday the other day. So I was Ah. there. No one knows that I'm 30. So it's a bit awkward when they're like, oh hi, and (laughs) their friends are thinking I'm their age. And I'm like, oh no. Um, but yeah, so I did that. But then I realized as well that like my creativity had just been suppressed in all of this. Um, again, because I like helping people, I was very selfless. So I was just thinking about others and I wasn't thinking about myself. Mm. Time was moving on. And even the person I was with at the time was like, I can tell something's missing. Like I can tell you want something more of your mm. life. Like you could do so many things and you just mm. kind of pigeonhole yourself into um, education which as I said wasn't really paying that much as well mm. Um so he actually encouraged me to go to acting classes so there were some local ones near where we lived we lived together at the time so that was like nice and easy for me mm. it was reasonably priced as well and even the drama teacher there was like well you're the oldest one here so sis are you gonna go drama school like what are you gonna do because she was just, yeah it was like an 18 to 25 year old class oh. and I was 25 when I'd got oh. back into acting so she was just like you know you're good believe in yourself go off and do this but again it's always been a case of like finance and then juggling like is how that is that going to work drama school it would be like going back to uni again so I'd have to get student finance or fund it myself is that how expensive it is? yeah it's like normal uni it's like going to uni I'd have to do really? like a pro- yeah yeah yeah
0: I thought that you can just go to like a Saturday or a weekend school. So that's like,
1: you know, like identity school and those kind of ones, but they they are expensive. But yeah, you can do that. So I ended up doing this uh, course from 2019 to 2020 um, at City Lit and it was um, £1,500 for that year. So I was like, okay, that makes more sense because then I get a certificate at the end. Um, I've kind of refreshed myself of like what I learned in GCSE drama and what I knew like as a young child in stage school and stuff. So that was fine. And that was fun. But again, I was like, OK, career wise, what am I doing? Because I was going to auditions and things like that. But again, obviously, those don't pay. And if you don't land the roles, it feels like you're just doing the same thing in and out and you're not really mm. landing much. The mm. roles I did land were like not very well paid or they were only for like a certain period of time and then it's like, "Hey, what am I doing?" Obviously, lockdown happened as well. Um, so I actually won like a like a scratch night performance competition, me and two friends. What's well, that? Yeah, I worked with Black Ballad over lockdown for 10 months um, doing like community management. Um, and I was also like Toby's PA. Mm. Um, I worked for, do you know, Social Fix by mercedes mm. Benson. I did some like freelance copywriting and like mm. event kind of production. But again, cause it was lockdown, it was all virtuals, like Instagram lives and stuff. Mm. How did, I did you get a few the interviews? The, the, the I, just,
0: I just applied. I okay. just reached
1: out and applied because um, I was like, okay, I can't do acting, but I want to help the community. How can I bridge the two? So mm-hmm. that's how I best felt I could do that at the time. Were you doing a YouTube, but your, oh, your YouTube and fashion stuff at the same time? Or not yet? No, so I did that in back in 2016. Like As soon as I came out of uni, that's when you started the next year I started doing YouTube and I did it for about a year and then I left. <laughs>
0: You know, if you would have continued.
1: I know, because I heard that on the Ramel's episode as well, that you were saying you were kicking yourself over not doing yeah. it. I'd be big, but I know, I'd yeah. be one of the OGs. Yeah, so. no, yeah, you would, like, if you just continued. I but- know. But again, it's like, it's weird when, like, um, you have a vision for yourself. And if you let people's opinions infiltrate that, you're finished. Yes, um, and it's only something I've learned now. Like, yeah. I let so many people's opinions get to me. Like, a lot of people say, oh, you dress too quirky. Oh, um, your natural hair is too weird. This, this, that, that, that. I only, got, I only cut off my hair because I was watching all the naturalistas, all the like OGs that were like doing the big chops and stuff. Mm. So if I believed in myself as much as they did, I would, mm. yeah,
0: no, you would because also, time. like, I think people get so people's opinions are nice and sometimes people around you, that's lovely. Mm. But when you have a vision, a 30 vision for yourself and mm. your life, you have to be delusional. Like, you have to be delusional and go for it. Yeah. Like, and I feel like I was chatting to one of my girls last night. That's also, she's killing it, doing really well. And I had back-to-back conversations with two different ones, both killing it. And um, we both was like, yeah, we're, we're all delusional, aren't we? Like, because we, we have visions mm. about things that don't exist. Yeah. And we find a way to create it.
1: So, yeah, I did it way back before all of this. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just didn't. Um, I don't think my my skin was thick enough. Um, and some of the comments really got to me and I just left it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, call- I got called all sorts of things. I got told my nose looked like a red pepper. Really? I got by obviously, random, like, fake account. Like, now I'd be like, well, you're the one behind a fake account. But back then I was like, oh, my God, someone said my nose looks like a he red pepper.
0: Be- Do you know what? I haven't read one comment from any YouTube video. Not one. I don't read any of them now. I? I don't think I would, but back then you're like, oh yes, like you can't, yeah, you, yeah, no. You can't, I don't read any any negative comments. I don't read them. Yeah, I've, I've even helpful. I've even had some on my um, personal Instagram page before on one post, and mm. I and I yeah just it was only because I was talking about black people thriving and everything. I think they were just saying why are you talking about black people and it was from a black account. And I thought, mm, do right. you know what? I'm just going to delete it. Mm. <laughs> like I'm just gonna ignore it and delete it. Like yeah. you have to because if you consume yourself with that, you're going to really feel it's gonna affect your energy and mm. your vibrations. Which is and what you're I not yeah. yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Any Anyway, but so you did that back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But during lockdown, you managed to navigate. You worked with Black
1: Ballads. Yeah, with social um, fixed. Um, and um, also was doing like other part-time jobs on the side, working mm. with charities. So, um, yeah, again, still to like kind of my youth route. So a lot of like youth violence sort of charities or charities mm. that had youth violence causes. Mm. Um, But again, I was like, I felt a bit stunted. I was yeah. like, what am I doing? Do you know what I mean? It was hard yeah. to break out again into the acting space. Like, it's not like I had like the context and stuff that I wanted, but I was like, I want to give back more. I want to be more creative. I want to yeah. be more forward thinking. And my manager at the time, like literally I joined and like not even that long after she left and it was just us two doing mm. communications for this youth violence charity. And she joined an agency, a marketing agency in Shoreditch, actually, so not far from here. And she was like, "I, this sounds really strange, Vanessa, but I think you can do this. Like, I think you belong in a marketing agency. And I was like, what am I going to do in a marketing agency? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, like, I have no clue. She was like, I think you'd be great at it. Like, your people skills, your creativity, your ideas, like, while you're figuring out all your, like, acting and all of that stuff. Because, again, my podcast was kind of on and off as well because of What's lockdown. A...
0: What was the podcast that?
1: So it was um, essentially talking to people about, like, What they do outside of their normal jobs. Mm. Because you know, everyone's how we were saying everyone's multifaceted. Mm. I feel like you're always presenting with your main nine to five career instead of like the other stuff that you do. So I had friends who were just starting like Instagram review pages. I had friends like, changing careers like uh, one of my friends suddenly decided she wanted to be a DJ um so I was kind of interviewing them from the start of their journeys mm. and their inspiration behind what they wanted to do and then like a year later I did like a year anniversary of them and they would literally come such a long way and now they're like they're gone like they're That's so amazing. successful yeah any
0: any names you want to shout out that you want to shout that, that you've seen grow in front of you you're like you've done a sick job
1: with your growth Well, I don't know if she'll listen, but obviously I'll send her the link. But um, (laughs) DJ DJ Franco, I know her as Francesca. Like she always kind of yeah, no, like big up you because um, she knew she wanted to do this and she kind of self taught herself, put herself in rooms to learn Mm. how to DJ, and I think did a radio kind of show with her friends and Mm. it was linking because she's a Christian as well. I think. I have this issue as well battling my Christianity with my creativity and what, where are the boundaries with that? How far can you kind of take things and stuff, especially when you're obviously exposed to like, explicit content and whatever explicit mm. music um and she really overcame that and basically taught herself how to dj and now she's getting bookings Zephyr, friends right, and center. i'm just always seeing her. her stories are just her always bookings. DJing, literally yeah just That's DJing." Fantastic. so like big up you francesca but um yeah so just seeing people that i know that i've grown up with that i've looked up to for other reasons yeah. suddenly being like actually i don't want to do that anymore i also think i can do this or randomly, I just want to learn this and then mm. actually taking it to another level where they can monetize it now and it's like part of who they are. Yeah. Um, so that's literally what it was about. And again, encouraging people to be open, to talk about mental health. Oh yeah, one of my girl that I went to secondary school with, Venetia as well, she was a spin coach, a spin cycle coach she just moved to Amsterdam to work for Nike. She's an official Amazing. Nike athlete now. It's just like things like that. Like people yeah. I always grew up around and sort of tapping into them and actually having those deeper conversations beyond, hi, how are you? And finding out what their true passions are and then like where they are now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started that in 2020 and then February and then literally lockdown was March 2020. But I still... Uh, persevered. I was doing stuff on Zoom and I recorded it, edited it, did all the social media and everything You've by done, myself. You done all that by yourself? All by myself, Whilst from my house, wet. bought a microphone, did it all by myself. All my weekends were dedicated to my podcast at the time. Really? Yeah. But the biggest piece of feedback I got was, oh, can we make it visual? we'd love to see this, we'd love to see that. A lot of, I have really crazy story times. A lot of them unfortunately about like guys and dating. Mm-hmm. So my friends were like, bring some of that into it. But I was just so absorbed in like other people. Like yeah. I just really want to connect with other people and get them to share their stories. So I said, if I ever come back, I'll do something like this. So this is inspirational as well, because yeah. I'm seeing, okay, maybe it could happen. Like, you yeah. know, little studio space, visuals. Um. So yeah, that was the story of my podcast. Um, but then yeah, so my manager from my previous job said, I really think you should do this. And then I was like, oh, whatever. She physically sent me email addresses or all these different agencies and was like, just apply to be an account manager. Like it's quite like, a, it's not a junior, junior role. It's kind of mid-level um, just to get your foot in the door then see how you like it. And mm. then literally the rest was history. Mm. Um, so I used to be a part of an agency called Liberty.
0: I Liberty, yeah. Yeah,
1: so I was an account manager there for a year um, and then, yeah, moved on to where I am now, which is Kula. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Shout out that manager, though, that really helped to yeah, push you. Eleanor. To, yeah, Eleanor. <laughs> yeah, shout out, out Eleanor. Because,
0: because it's people like that. Those are, I, I call them like just random angels in my life that mm. help me to see something that I can't see in myself right there and then. Yeah. Those are very pivotal, like, important people, so... That was incredible that she managed to see that in you and push, you know. Mm. Do you know, I've realized
1: as well that I feel like, I won't speak for all black women because I know so many that are not like me, Mm. but there are a vast majority that are like me where we've often gone for roles that we know we're overqualified for just so we feel like we know we can get that job. Whereas we actually could go for something that, as you said, be delusional and go for something where maybe you only tick half the boxes on the 100%. job spec and get it. But I've never, I, as, again, yeah, I've just never had the confidence to do that until I went into account management. Mm. Um, so I think she could see that, that like, mm. yes, I was doing this role, but it was cushy for me. It was just mm. a secure way to get paid, like, whatever, like, she could see that there was something more. And I have had previous managers say that to me before, like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, don't you want to be doing this? But she actually mm. actively said, here you go, sign up to these, apply for jobs and, like, enter that field.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah. That's, that's that's magical. And I, I do agree with you. I do think that it's not even just black women. I think there's a lot of women mm. in general. Like, there's a statistic that says oh, yeah. that um, men, they only have to... Um, appeal to 60% of a job spec Mm. to apply. Mm. Women, it has to be 100%. Mm. And which is really belittling for us because when you think about going into a role, you want to have some room to grow. You want to be able to um, stretch yourself in that role as well and learn Mm. new things. I think people often think about jobs as, I need to go in there and... I'm I'm giving my all to them and yeah. I I deserve to be there. No, they deserve to have you there. Yeah. So amen. so they need to also give something to you. What experience are they going to give to you? What mm. what, va- what value are they going to add to you as well? It's a two-way thing. Yeah. And when you start to see it as that, you don't feel as um I don't know what's the word you, you feel a bit more worthy stepping into the role. Yeah. Like I'm 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 in a role right now where this is completely new for me. But guess what? I'm taking it. I'm being I'm honest with my journey. Mm. If there's things I don't know, I find it out. I have the right conversations. Mm. I'll research where I need to research. I'll say I'll come back to you with that information and do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just learn as you go. Like yeah. I promise you, I've been in so many rooms and conversations and this is for anyone listening and watching out there with intimidating quote-unquote people and now I don't get intimidated by anyone Mm. but um you know CEOs white males that are very stern whatever Mm. and there's things they don't know there's things when you when you have conversations you explore things there's things that they don't know because there you have a different value that you add Mm. that they can't add because they have not had the same life experiences they don't have the same cultural insight as you do yeah. and our culture black culture is so influential It's so powerful Honestly, so yeah. we need to like, we need to hold on to that and really know that they that they val- every company values this yeah it's it's extra salt. so yeah that's just a, a little quick piece of motivation something 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 <laughs> <laughs> no we, we love it and um, remind me as well to introduce it to someone after this um episode because okay. um they actually messaged in our group chat today. So for those that don't know, we've got a WhatsApp group chat of oh. black professionals. Yeah, you can join. It's about eight, almost 800 now. Oh, wow. Um, and people post like opportunities, jobs, if they want to connect with someone something every day. So someone today, mm. they put out a movie in August. Shout out Kojo, who put it out. He's filming in London again. So he was like, are there any actors um, that want to be in this movie? Hit me up. So I'm going to put you in touch with him.
1: Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, I
0: just remembered. This is why it's good to talk. No, that's what I mean. Because I want yeah, to know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Talk your things so, yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. so we can connect <laughs> to different true.
1: levels. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about caller. So you're yeah. right at Kula. What What's it like at Cola as a black employee, um, a
1: black woman?
0: Let's keep it, you know,
1: just, yeah. yeah. Talk to me. Um, So I would say I'm one of the, there's about six of us in terms of like black employees. Mm. And I feel very um, blessed to be part of that group. Um, Majority of us are within the DE&I committee as well, which is really nice. But in general, what I like about cooler is that I don't feel like I have to be fake. I don't feel like I have to put on a mask and I don't feel like I have to code switch. Mm. If I now wanna speak a bit of slang, if I now, cause I'm Ghanaian, if I wanna speak a bit of tree, speak a bit of fancy, Mm. Obviously I wouldn't do that on a client call, but if I wanna do that with my colleagues, that's fine. If I wanna put on an Afrobeats playlist, that's fine. Mm. Um and I like to be able to show up to work as myself. Mm. Um, so that's something that I'm really grateful for, um, which I haven't had the privilege of in other um companies. It's, rare. it's, it's very rare. It's, rare. <laughs> it's very and rare.
0: And I felt like that as well. When I went to um so to give you all context, I went to call the office um a couple of months ago to do mm-hmm. a workshop and then I just kinda chilled thereafter. Um kind of got my laptop out and just chilled. And yeah, I felt that Spidey. energy. Mm-hmm. Just, really, just really cool. I think yeah. um, I was watching the video back of the um Sim Simmer. Oh, challenge, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like no, for, but to do that Sim Simmer challenge, and for those that don't know what Sim Simmer challenge is, it is Sim Simmer. Pass me the keys to no! my No! Vanessa felt it. What? Isn't it Pass Me the Keys to My Boomer? No! <laughs> Sim Simmer. Oh, the oh, who got the keys? who got the keys? I was going to say, it's very similar <laughs> to <that. laughs> <But> I think <laughs> someone
1: did that in the video, actually. They were pass just like, me. pass me the keys. <laughs> <laughs> but I did know it. You put me on the spot. <laughs> Guys, I do know my music. I Might did, have I to say it I again. Had, <laughs> I did put it on the
0: spot. But that's basically the challenge when you go around to everyone and say SimSummer and see if they know, yeah. see if they they they
1: um, catch the vibe. Yeah. Um, which I think you can only do that in certain workplaces. So Exactly. And Kula, we've got, we're big on our social channels. So obviously we're very busy. Clients always come first, but we do have our own social channels. So TikTok and uh, Instagram. So follow us. We are Kula. Um, and we do do the trending challenges. And that was mm-hmm. a big one at the time. What about your role? Tell us about your role. Yeah, so I am an account manager and our role is to basically be that bridge between the agency and the client. Mm. So we're the client facing, uh, I would say probably one of the most client facing roles in the agency because Mm. we have the most contact with our clients with the day-to-day contact basically for anything going on in that account. Mm. So be it the weekly status meeting, be it when we're having um, sort of brainstorms when there's shoots, we're the ones that tend to go on the shoots as well. Mm. Um, So yeah, I would guess that's it. Like you have the most contact with everyone in the agency because you get to work with every single team team and then also your client would know you more than anyone else on Mm. that on that account team because you have that daily contact with them Mm. whether that's um via email whether that's phone calls um sort of zoom calls or even on whatsapp like we Mm. tend to have like whatsapp chats for each of our clients for anything that comes up out of hours anything we need like urgent responses to Mm. um because one advantage of cooler is we really believe in the power of reactive content so not just thinking oh okay christmas is coming up That's Mm. being proactive because you know Christmas is coming up. Mm. So we try to obviously make sure our clients have content for that period. As we know, it's like a very busy time. But being reactive is if something was to happen right now that links to our, our client or a cultural moment that we think our client can kind of tap into to play in culture, we are being active and saying, oh, my gosh, this has just happened here are five ideas of tweets that you could do to respond to this to so your audience knows that you understand mm, culture mm. and that's how you bring your audience in and make yeah. them trust you as a brand. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's mm. basically what an account manager does. So would you come up with a lot of the ideas that they execute or or is it just more so, do you
0: talk with the creative team and the creative team come up with the ideas and you translate those, is that how it works?
1: Yeah, so we've got two uh, teams that fall under creative. You have the editorial team You kind of do like Um, kind of copy, so like writing kind of ideas as well as just your day-to-day kind of ideas, which we call hygiene. And then you have your creative campaigns team who do like the kind of hub um, and hero level ideas. So like the massive campaigns where there's like huge budgets for. Mm. So they primarily make the ideas. But what I love about Cooler is you can also come up with the idea. So quite often because the accounts team is the most familiar with the client, we know, oh, okay, there's this idea, but actually we know the client is obsessed with, I don't know, um memes so we know let's put forward some meme content because we know that they're gonna like that and mm. that's gonna resonate with the brand right. so actually we can actually be really instrumental in like a brainstorm mm. because editorial can come up with the craziest wackiest ideas but we kind of say okay then out of all of these we know really what the client will actually approve
0: right yeah that whereas makes other sense.
1: agencies it's kind of like everyone needs to stick to their lane and I'm some are very collaborative I'm not mm. I'm not you know saying other agencies aren't but I have heard of cases where like you stay in your lane like you're an account manager you do that and we will mm. lean on the creative team mm. instead of why don't we all just collaborate and do it together yeah because um, yeah, we actually have a thing called cooler kitchen as well where mm. anyone can come in 45 minutes every Thursday afternoon. Anyone can come into the room. There's briefs that get put on the table, and we all just shout ideas and like brainstorm and come up with ideas together for like mm. all sorts that. of campaigns. Yeah.
0: I love that. That's so collaborative.
1: And I, yes. I feel like,
0: what's the size of Cooler? I feel like it's quite small.
1: Oh, it, well, that's the thing. When I joined, I would say it was like 40, 50 people. Now we're close to 100. And we actually have this thing. Yeah. <laughs> now ah. we have this whole thing where we're like Cooler 100 because it's really close to that mark, if not. I think we're at Cooler One Hundred now. Is so it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's grown massively um since I joined and I joined in March.
0: Cooler sounds like a fun there's certain companies that I would work for. Azos is one of them because I feel like I've I've been in touch with Azos quite a bit of times. Cooler Sounds really, really dope to work to work with as well. Just it's the people, it's the people that I've connected with. Even like exactly. Lucy, Lucy, shout out Lucy, shout I out love Jess. Lucy. Yeah. This
1: would not happening if not for Lucy. Yeah, so shout no, out Lucy. honestly, shout, yeah. Out shout out Lucy,
0: shout out Jess as well. Yeah, like Jess is honestly like she inspires me actually because she's oh. very unapologetically just herself. She's very supportive. Like she's a massive cheerleader for me. And yeah, she still kills it in her lane as well. I just like I just like women that just uplift other women and just do their thing at the same time. So yeah, honestly. Honestly, any what I like to do is when I wrap up a podcast episode, I like to first of all know what's next for you. Mm -hmm. So if anything, not that you're moving on from caller, but I mean in general for Mm -hmm, you. mm -hmm. Um, And then also leaving with a piece of like dope advice for listeners. So particularly the black community, what they can Mm -hmm. do to elevate and just be the best version of themselves. So what's next for Vanessa? What other things do you want to explore? Pull it out there because you never know who might reach out to you for stuff. True. Yeah. (laughs) And then also advice.
1: Yeah. So I recently did a voiceover course. Oh. Yeah. Because I think that's also a nice bridge between it's not going into back into like full time auditioning all the time and doing acting but it's a way I can actually use my voice and my creativity. Every voice can be a voiceover artist the same way every person can be an actor. So I've recently just did a course in that. So yeah, I'm building that skill up at the moment, like doing my voice reel to Ah. then share it with people. So I do a lot of influencer marketing um, at Kula as well. And obviously we know that has massive earning potential, but for people who maybe they don't want to put themselves on camera, they want to be faceless, try voiceover work. Cause it's the same. It's the same earning potential. Really? Um, without needing to show your face.
0: What What different voices and accents can you do? How many different ones? Give, oh my god! Give Give it to us. Well, accents. Yeah. So I, I, w- I want you to say in different accents. Yeah. You are now listening to the Black Crate Connect podcast. But give it to me in different types of. Be as wild as you <laughs> want to be with it. I just, I just want to hear. Come on. Okay. Let's go. Um, Let's go. So and and, and and say your name. Um, my name is Vanessa. You're now listening to Black Create Connect.
1: Just to see, Black Create Connect, connect podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Um, but you know South African accent. That's another one South I'm trying Af- to. Yeah. Yes, South African because it's the Black Create Connect podcast. Oh, you know? I mean, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was really good. But if I was to say, I think Black helps you get into blek. it. That's what I use every blek. every actor has a word that helps them drop into an accent. So for my South African accent, I use Black. Black, yeah. create. Black, create, connect, podcast. Podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what about go. Australia? He's Australian accent? Australian
1: accent. accent. Um, so, like, my name is Vanessa Lyle and you're listening to the Black Create Connect podcast. You're really like, good. <laughs> do you know what's funny? I, cause, I, yeah, it's because even when I speak to my friends sometimes, they don't know what accent I'm going to answer. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 but it's, it's I love it though. Yeah. Hold on, give us, give us mm-hmm. Ghanaian. <laughs> um, um. So my name is Vanessa Lyle, and you are now listening to the Black Create Connect podcast.
0: Hey! <laughs> it's kind it of giving nice a of West
1: Africa. One more, one my name is uh, Vanessa Lyle, and you are now listening to the Black Create Connect podcast. Oh. My housemate is French, so I feel like I can what? do that accent sometimes, you know? I love
0: it! <laughs> I was going to question,
1: Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that's like, gonna, like Wait, come where come are I'll you try. from? i No, Jamaican.
1: that's a... My um... <laughs> name is Vanessa Lyle, <laughs> and you're now listening to the Black Create Connect podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because you It's my name. Guys, <laughs> 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 please don't touch me, please. All my <laughs> Jamaican friends, I love you,
0: please. It's because you said, it's just about, you went, you probably went, yeah, yeah <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you probably went with it, like, <laughs> 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 Had a bit of sauce, a bit of shoulders, bit of fling. I know, I know <laughs> ever happened, yeah, you know. Um, but the thing is, I feel like even the Jamaican themselves—they even got there's different strands of like accents with like uh-huh. the up tone in them and the and the rough lid and the yard in them and and you know what I mean? It goes into different streams. Even in the UK, even in, even in London, like South London, East London, West London, there's different variations. Mm. But you're good though. Oh, thank you, yeah, I, I love that, <laughs> I love that, Honestly.
1: So actually, today, what's one action you can do, whether that's writing in your journal, whether that's writing a script, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you, to get closer to that bigger vision. Cause if I did right. that ages ago, I feel like I would have I would have hit that by now. It's, it's, personally, honestly, it's one day at a time. That's
0: yeah. such brilliant advice as well. Because even when I think just practically the podcast, I think when people go on my podcast and see our oh, seventy eight episodes, it's it feels like a lot. But I'm like mm. that took like almost two years. Like wow. I only just did a bit 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 by bit. Mm. So it feels like a lot to a new person, mm. but actually it just took one day. You have to record one day you have to go for it to be edited. One day you've got to do this. And it accumulates over time and then you Mm. actually see the the results of whatever it is you're working on over time. So that's brilliant advice.
1: Can I give something else? Yeah, yeah, of course. Go ahead. I feel like as well, like you never know how you make people feel. Like just because you have a personal opinion of yourself, Mm. that shouldn't affect like how people think of you. And I think sometimes we should lean into like, because you know, there's opinions. Obviously the negative ones, no. Mm, mm. But there's times where people have believed in me more than I've believed in mm. myself. And if I stepped into that belief, mm. again, my confidence different. Everything would have been different. different. The way I move would have been different. Mm. Um, and it's funny how the same comments I get now are the same comments I got when I was that little girl interviewing yeah. people, sitting on my mom's lap. Mm. And I just wish that I had tapped into that sooner. So maybe you should tap into that. When people are giving you compliments, it's for a reason. You're hearing the same thing again and again. Don't ignore it, tap into mm. it, lean into it, embrace it. And yeah, become that thing because that's what you are to other people exactly. so yeah because I didn't do it go ahead and do it yourself <laughs> and you're, you're sure. gonna do it now as well because you're, I can tell I that, you, so. that you
0: that you're a star oh thank you make character energy you've got yes. beautiful, beautiful energy for those that are not here in the studio right oh, now thank I can you tell so you much. the energy is full of high vibrations because different different people bring different energies no one really Definitely. brings bad vibes to our mm. podcast but that sometimes it's very serious, sometimes it's very light, sometimes it's very fun, sometimes it's energetic. Yeah. And you just bring a very happy, warm energy. Oh, thank um, you so, so much. So thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful. Um, And thank you so much for listening, everyone, to this episode. And um, for those that don't remember what Black Create Connect is, remember we connect black professionals to jobs within that yes. like creative industries. Yeah. You know, so make sure you check out our job boards, we have the job board. Look, join our community, subscribe to our newsletter. We've got our group chat. So if you want to join the group chat, then drop us an email at hello at uk Follow us on socials. And don't forget to share this bad girl episode. Not too bad yes. as in bad, but as in it was a bad girl episode because Vanessa's a baddie oh okay? thank she's a baddie so she loves you she's a, hey, <laughs> she a baddie with her baddie friends hey she's a baddie and I want you to share it and listen back to it and um, thank you for rocking with us on this episode and I will see you all on the next Black Great Connect podcast episode thank you bye bye